Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Hi, family. We have got a word from God for you today. Uh, this word is going to build your faith. I believe that for many of you, this word is going to water the word of God, the seed that's been planted in your heart. You know, Peter actually compares the word of God to a seed. And of course, in Corinthians, Paul said that he planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Now, just because you and I have heard the word of God once, that just simply means it's been planted. But what has to happen, it has to be watered. Now, the watering of the word. And so often, the reason people do not see the manifestation of the things that they're believing for is because they don't water. In fact, that's almost always the case. We don't water that word so that it flourishes and it grows to the place where it produces in our life. Now, how do we water? Well, we water by hearing the word. We water the word as we meditate in the word of God. It waters that word, right? And it's more and more. And, and as that, that, that word is watered, it grows and we receive the increase that God wants us to have. Now, we have been talking about faith and we've been really talking about confession in about four kinds. And let me just mention them to begin with. And then we're just going to kind of focus on two types of confession today. But the first type of confession the Bible mentions is for a person who's not a Christian and they need to confess Jesus as the Lord of their life. They don't need to confess all their sins. They've already forgotten half of them, but they do need to confess Jesus as Lord. Say, God, I believe Jesus went to the cross, paid for my sin, and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I receive him as my king, as my Lord. I'm going to live for him. When the person does that, the Bible says in Romans 10 in verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That person is forgiven. That person's right with God. That person is now a part of the kingdom of God. That person is on their way to heaven. Uh, there's a traumatic change that taking, takes place, confessing Jesus as Lord. Second type of confession is the believer and the believer confessing their sins. If we sin, 1 John chapter 1, if we sin, we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we sin, we confess. Now, what that means is we agree with God. We say, God, I sinned. And, and God, it was wrong. I'm sorry. God, I turned my back on that sin. In fact, I said, I'm sorry, but that's, that's only part of it. You know, here's the thing. We've got to be sorry we sinned, not sorry that God doesn't like our sin. You can say, God, I'm sorry that you don't like it, but I like it. No, you need to be saying, God, I agree with you. This is wrong, and I'm turning my back on that sin. That's repentance. Turn your back. That's the, 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 the confession that the believer makes. We turn our back on our sin. And then thirdly, there is really a confession unto faith. Right? You, you, the, the word has been planted, but it's not watered yet. 
It hasn't grown completely yet, or it needs to keep on growing to an even greater extent than what it already has. And for that to happen, that word has to be watered. We've got to hear the word. We've got to meditate on the word. And we're going to be talking later about what does that mean to be meditating in the word of God. Of course, again and again, Psalms 1, and in his law, he meditates day and night. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. That's part of the watering process. And then once that we get to that place of faith, there is a confession of faith. So there is a confession unto faith, which is part of the watering process, part of the meditating process. You see, one of the definitions of meditate is to speak or to mutter. So we begin to say what God says about us again and again and again, right? And as we do, it's watering, it's watering that seed that's in our heart until that seed grows up and touches the place of faith and God brings the increase. So Romans chapter 10 and verse six, but what, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? What does faith say? It says the word is near you. Now, so often what we try to do is we try to put all the responsibility either on God or on somebody else. Right? For example, Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He's been up there with Peter, James, and John. Nine of his disciples have been left below. A man comes with a son who most likely was an epileptic. And the disciples tried to deliver the boy and were unable. And as Jesus comes down from the mountain, the man sees Jesus. And he runs over to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. And they were not able to help him. But if you can do anything... If you can do anything, please have mercy on us. Now, listen, what that man was doing was he was saying, Jesus, this is just all up to you. This is just up to you. Now, here's Jesus' response. He said to the man, if you can believe, he said, then all things are possible to him who believes. Jesus did not take all the responsibility and say, hey, this is just up to me. He said, no, sir, you need to believe. And so often what we do is we look at somebody else, a minister or someone or someone who's going to pray for us, and we think, well, it's all up to them. Or we think, God, it's just all up to you. But the truth is that that never works. That just doesn't work. Right? We need to realize that we have responsibility, that there's something that we need to do. But what does faith say? The word is near you. It's near you. It's not, I'm going to put it off on, on Joyce Myers or, or I'm just going to put this off on God. The word of faith, it is near you. It is in your mouth and your heart, even the word of faith, which we preach. So the Bible tells us here that there is a confession of faith. And as again, I've been teaching, there is also a confession unto faith where we confess God's word until that word has been watered and produced in our life, right? Again, what did Paul say? He said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. And the watering process is what so often we want to skip. That meditating process, that process of spending time in the word of God, 
right? Because that it's the word of God that literally is food for our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it is literally the rhema of God. It's that word that gets, that becomes revelation on the inside of our hearts. Jesus, again, Matthew 4, 4 said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God's word, Jesus said, it came out of God's mouth. It was first spoken and then holy men of old, Peter says, wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, but it was written so that you and I could speak it. When Jesus said this, he is in a confrontation with the devil. The devil tempts Jesus and Jesus says, it is written. The devil tempts Jesus. Jesus said, it's written. Then the devil said, and then Jesus said, it is written. The way that Jesus obtained victory was by speaking the word of God. And right in the middle of that process, he's saying, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In Mark chapter four and verse 24, I have the amplified translation here and I want to read it to you. It says, pay attention to what you hear. For by your own standard of measurement, that is the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom. It is measured to you and it will be given even greater ability to respond and more will be given to you besides. Now notice that he says, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom. It's the extent that you and I spend studying, meditating in the word of God, that that word gets down on the inside of us. In uh, Proverbs chapter four, Solomon wrote this. And this this is so powerful. He said, my son, give attention to my words. Give attention to my word. Uh, You know, when you're meditating and studying the word of God, That doesn't mean you read a chapter in the Bible and you don't even remember what you read, right? It says you need to give your attention to this. You need to be focused on God's word and incline your ear to my sayings. Make sure that what you're hearing is what God is saying, right? Because there are so many things that you could be listening to in this world. You can be listening to the wrong voices, right? And wrong voices brings wrong choices, So what we want to do is we want to do what the word says. We want to give attention to the word, right? We're focusing on this. This is where our attention is, right? In Psalms, it says you delight in the law of the Lord. I like to say it like this. Your delight is what you do when you just have a few free minutes. What is the first thing you're going to do? You got a little free time. Is the first thing that you're going to do, watch some sports? Is it going to be some television program? Is it, is it going to be a hobby? What is it going to be? But the Bible says our delight is to be in the law of the Lord. So we're giving attention. We're inclining our ear. We're making sure that we're hearing the right thing. Right? And, and, and I'm not saying this to offend somebody, but you need to make sure that when you're hearing the word of God, you're not hearing a bunch of dead tradition and unbelief. Make sure that you're hearing the word of faith. Paul said, that's the word of faith that we preach. Make sure that you're hearing that word and not three stories in a poem, right? You wanna hear the word of God. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. 
In other words, you're going to be staying there. You're going to be focusing on it. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those that find them. They are life to those that find them. Right? You see, they, again, the seed's been planted, but it's got to be watered. It's got to be watered. And it's in that watering process that we find them. All right? And then it says, in their health to all their flesh. And then a warning, keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. We need to be saying what God says about our situation. We need to know the chapter and verse. So often, uh, someone will come up and ask for prayer about a certain situation. And quite often, this will be my, my response. Well, what scriptures are you standing on? Or what verses are you believing? And quite often, the answer will be something like this. Well, just none in particular. Right? Well, if you're not believing any scriptures in particular, that, that the, the word of God is what's got to be in your mouth. You've got to be speaking what God says. You've got to be speaking God's word. We've got to be believing God's word. Faith in God is always based on what God has said. Right? We need to know what he said. And what he has said is his will. Somebody says, I don't know the will of God. Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 that if you will change the way you think with God's word, then you will know that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When, when, when we've got God's word down on the inside of us, we know what the will of God is. So this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. We're going to say what God says about our situation. But you shall meditate therein day and night. So he's saying, spend time in the word. Now you say, I can't be there 24 hours a day. That's not what it's saying. It's saying you're thinking about it. You're applying it to your situation. You're, you're muttering that word. You're saying, this is what the verse says. This is what it means for me. This is how it affects this situation. This is what I need to do because of the word, right? That you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. Again, notice it says when we have that word on the inside and that word is watered and produced, it produces the good success. Right? So often people think, well, God's just going to make me successful. No, what he is saying, he's saying the principles of the word of God on the inside of you are going to bring that success. So many people today, uh, particularly in Western Christianity, I, I, I see that they have the person of Jesus. They've given their life, but they don't have the wisdom or the principles of Jesus. They don't have his word in their heart. Right? And that's what's going to bring that success. Again, uh, missionary Reinhard Bonnke, who in the late well, 20th century, early 21st century, saw 70 million people come to Christ in Africa, speaking to over a million people at one time. He said he was a normal missionary until God said, my word in your mouth is as powerful as my word in my mouth. I, 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 I am so convinced that if we as Christians would spend our time meditating on the word, get that word on the inside and would begin to speak what God says about our situations, we would see situations in our lives absolutely change, right? Because the word of God, it is powerful. In fact, the angel that came to Mary said that there's no word of God that is without power of fulfillment, 
without power of fulfillment. What God says has the power right there to fulfill it. And Jeremiah said, God's watching over his word to fulfill it, to do it. Right? So when the Israelites come into the promised land, the very first city is the city of Jericho. Right? And God gives them a strategy. He says, Joshua, who's the leader, he says, march around the city one time every day for six days. And on the seventh day, go around seven times. And after the seventh time, have the priests blow the trumpets, all the people shout, and the walls will fall. Now, can you imagine doing this? You're walking around the third day, the fourth day. And I could imagine people beginning to talk. Now, here's what Joshua said. He said, no one says a word until the last day when you blow the trumpet and then shout. They were forbidden to speak because if they were walking around the third or the fourth day, people would be going, this is a dumb plan. We've already done this three, four times and nothing's going to happen. And our walking around this wall some more is not going to make any difference. I think that Joshua has lost his marbles and we need to get somebody else to lead because this is really stupid. I think the people on the inside are laughing and mocking us. But Joshua said, nobody say a word. Nobody say a word. He didn't want that negative word to be out there. In uh, Genesis, the, the 35th chapter, there's a story of Abraham's descendants. And there's a man by the name of Jacob, and he has a wife by the name of Rachel. And she has stolen some idols, but he doesn't know it. And so when the man who owned the idols comes, his name is Laban, he said, whoever has taken those idols, let them die. Let them die. He spoke those words. They didn't find the idols, but it's just a short period of time later as they're coming into the promised land. They're getting near a little town that today is called Ifrata. And uh, she's giving birth and she dies. And I've heard a number of Bible scholars speak on this who say the reason she lost her life because her husband spoke words about her that she had stolen something he didn't know she had stolen and he had spoken death. Proverbs 18 says this, death and life, verse 21, are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat its fruit. The verse before says a man's mouth will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth right? and from the produce of his lips, he will be filled. So I want to ask you, what are you saying about your life? What is your confession? Are you confessing defeat and failure and bondage and sickness and depression? Are you the person who's saying, well, I'm never going to have victory. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm never going to get free from these habits. I can, I'm never going to be able to afford to have a nice house. Are you that person who's speaking those negative words or are you speaking words of faith? Because those words that you speak, the Bible says they're going to produce. You're going to be satisfied with the fruit of your lips. Right? You've heard somebody say you're going to eat those words. The truth is we eat our words because they are producing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right? And it really seems at times when I would read the Bible, it seems like God is constantly trying to teach us how to talk. So Jesus is staying right outside Jerusalem in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, a little town called Bethany. He gets up in the morning and he's three miles, not even maybe, to, to Jerusalem. And as they're walking down 
Mount Scolpus and the Mount of Olives, he sees a fig tree. And he goes over and he looks for some figs and he doesn't find any. And he says to the tree, no one ever eat fruit of you again forever. Now, I, I want to point out, the Bible says that he cursed the tree. But he didn't say four-letter words to the tree. He spoke negative words to that tree. They went into Jerusalem, to the temple. He preached. They walked back by the tree, went back to Bethany. And the next morning, as they come by the tree, the disciples look and see that that tree has withered up from its roots. Now, when Jesus said something, something happened, but it happened in the root system. It happened in the core, in the heart of the tree. And it took 24 hours for it to become visible, right? But that tree had died. And the disciples said, Jesus, look at the tree that you curse. That's what Jesus said to them. He said, have faith in God. Now, this is important, right? We need to put our faith in what God says about us, about what Jesus has purchased for us in his redemption, in his death, burial, and resurrection. He said, for assuredly or verily, I say to you, Truly, some translations say. Now, this is what we know. Jesus always tells the truth. Right? But when he starts a conversation with you saying, I'm going to tell you the truth, it means, number one, he's going to tell you the truth. And number two, you won't believe it. So Jesus just warns us right off the bat. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you something that's true. And when you hear this, you will not believe this. But it is true. Jesus said it's true. He said, I say to you that whosoever will say to this mountain. Notice that Jesus, when he talks about faith, he says the way faith, the first thing Jesus says about faith is whosoever will say. If you were to ask most of my friends or you to ask me about faith, I might say, well, faith is trust and faith is confidence and faith is believing. But Jesus, when he talked about faith, the first thing that he said was whosoever will say, whosoever will say. In other words, the first thing that our faith will ever move is our mouth. The first thing your faith is going to move is going to be the words that come out of your mouth, that those words are going to be God's words. They're going to be what God says about your situation. Whosoever will say to this mountain. He didn't say to talk to God about your mountain. He said, you talk to that mountain. You talk to the sickness. You talk to the disease. You talk to the giant. You talk to the circumstances. You talk to the addiction. You talk to the finances. You talk to the checkbook. You begin to speak. You begin to say, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. Now notice what Jesus said. He said, whosoever will say, I am telling you right now, this will work for you. This will work for whosoever will say. Now, all you've got to do to be disqualified is keep your mouth shut. But this will work when you say, because faith is constantly speaking. But what does faith say? Faith is saying something. Faith will say what God says. So if you don't say something, you're disqualified. But he said, whosoever will say to this mountain. Now, when we read this, I don't know how we get confused. But somehow we think that Jesus is saying, look, I'm Jesus and I can do this, but you can't. But that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, look, disciples, I'm God. I'm Jesus. I learned to do this in heaven. And if you were to try to do this, if you were to try to speak to a tree or to a mountain, my goodness, you'd blow the lips off your face. That's not what he said. 
He said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. He said, it will obey you if you do not doubt in your heart. Don't doubt in your heart. Now, now here's where a lot of times we miss it. We've got faith, but there's also doubt. Right? But you have to have more faith than you have doubt. When Jesus is going to cast the, uh, d- deliver that epileptic boy we talked about earlier, Jesus said to the man, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. He said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I do believe. Help my unbelief. You see, so often we've got some faith, but we've also got some unbelief. And our unbelief is so large that it counteracts our faith. And we've got to get rid of that unbelief. You say, how do you do it? Meditating in the word of God. All right. Meditating in God's word. So he said, you'll be, ca- be removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. It's interesting to me that most Christians say what they have. They give you a report. They said, this is what I've got. I've got this, I've got this, and I've got this, and I've got this. All right. Jesus said, you will have what you say. So what Jesus is saying is, don't look at what you have. Look at what I promise you. Look at what I purchased for you. You say you're sick, but he said, by, his, by my stripes, you're healed. You say you're sick, but God says, I'll forgive all your iniquities and heal all your sicknesses. Right? So what you need to be saying is, I receive healing. He heals all my sicknesses. I believe I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Jesus says you'll have what you say. If all you do is say what you have, all you will ever have or all you'll ever get is what you already have. Jesus said, don't look at what's in front of you. Look at the promises of God. God didn't look at the darkness and say, it's really dark. He said, let there be light. You don't look at a sickness and say, sickness is where I'm at. No, you look at healing and say, healing belongs to me. We need to say what God says. And Jesus said, we'll have whatsoever we say. Job said, how forceful are right words. Philemon 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. How do you supercharge your faith? It's by acknowledging every good thing that you have in Christ. I know all that is in the Bible, but it doesn't seem real to me, somebody said. I know all that's in the Bible, but it doesn't seem real to me. It will become real when you begin to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You need to say what God says about your situation, right? When we do that, it supercharges our faith. our, Our faith becomes effectual. And again, I said it before, it's like God is trying to teach us how to talk. So he says in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. In Psalms 107, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In Isaiah 59, he says, my word that I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants, nor the mouth of your descendants' descendants from this time forth and forevermore. In Psalms 57, God said, I create the fruit of the lips. In Joel, he said, let the weak say, I am strong. Right? In uh, Job chapter 23, he said, 
You will also declare or decree a thing and it'll be established for you. And so light will shine on your way. And when they cast you down and you say exaltation will come, then he, God, will save the humble man. Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Yeah, we need to put our faith in God. In Psalms 91, David said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom will I trust? In Romans 8, it says, what shall we then say to these things? You know, he said, I'm, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Rome, Romans, in Hebrews 13, it says, therefore, we will boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Revelation 12, verse 11 says this. It says, and they that you overcome him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. We need to say what the blood has purchased for us. And of course, Romans 10, verse eight says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. We need to put God's word in our mouth. And we need to be meditating in that word and watering the word that has been planted in our hearts. Now, I want to ask you right now to stay with me. Everybody, stay with me. I know that there's people you're watching today that you're not right with God. You're away. Some of you are away from the Lord. At one point you lived for God, but you have drifted away. There's others that you don't know where you stand with God. But the Bible says this, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. Notice that, know that you have everlasting life. You're not supposed to die and find out if you make it to heaven. You're supposed to know today. So Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That means all the good things you could do can never save you. All the good things I could do could never save me. Jesus said, you must be born again. It means you need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. Turn away from your old way of living and live for him. When you do that, you're born again. You're forgiven. You're right with God. So I'm going to ask everybody to pray with me. Pray this prayer out loud to make these words your own. Right? And this is especially true for you that you're away from God. You don't know where you stand with God. And you say, I want to surrender to Jesus today. I want to receive forgiveness. And I want to be a part of his kingdom and his family. When you pray this out loud, say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And today I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. He is my Lord. And God, as you help me, I'm going to live for Jesus every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I am forgiven that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you to text yes right now to that number on your screen, 616-226-3922. Text yes. You know, faith is an act. It is an act. It is not just something we believe in our head. It's something that's in our heart that causes us to do something. And this is the first thing I'm asking you to do right now. 
text? Yes. We're going to be praying for you. We're going to be celebrating what God has done in your heart and in your life. And I just want to say to all of the Res Life family, we love you. God bless you. And we are praying for you. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.